Welcome to Texas Tidbits. I'm Coach Rob. And I'm Coach Coburn. And this week we're talking about Native Texans. Okay, so today we are recording on Friday, September 25th. And if you go to our school, you know that today is American Indian Heritage Day, which recognizes the historical, cultural, and social contribution of American Indian communities and their leaders that are, and what they've made to the state, which I think is so cool that we're um, studying, we're starting to study Native Americans today. It's American Indian Heritage Day today. And just like, it's all falling together so beautifully. It really is. <laughs> yeah. So there are a lot of Native American tribes that lived in Texas before the Europeans came. Ms. Coburn, can you go through all of them? Because you're much better at saying them. Sure. So these tribes or these people have lived in Texas 10,000 years before the Europeans ever came. So the Europeans first showed up in the 1500s, but these people have lived there a lot longer. And the people who lived there are very culturally different depending on where they lived. So we have the coastal tribes, which are the Qualutecans, the Karankwas, and the Atacapans. We have the eastern tribes, which are the Wichita and the Caddo. We have our plains tribes, which are the Kiowa, the Comanche, the Lipan Apache, and the Tonkawa. And then we have our West Puebloan tribes, which are the Tigua, the Mescalero Apache, and the Humano. And I know that that is a lot of information, and that's a lot of different tribes, but the way we're going to organize it is going to help it make more sense because we organize it in history by their cultural similarities. So it'll kind of make sense more in your brain when you start to think about it. Sweet. Thanks for going through all of those because like two of them, when I read them, I just am like, my brain goes dead and I can't remember how to say it, which is not good as a teacher. But anyways, um, so this part of the unit, part of Texas history is kind of what started the idea for the podcast because we spend two or three days talking about the different tribes and comparing and contrasting them. But I was reading this book over the summer to learn more about Texas history. And there's just like so much that's not in our textbook that I was like, man, the kids would love it if they knew this. Or like this part of how they interacted with the Europeans would make sense. But they need to know this background first. So that's what this podcast is today. We're just going to talk about what we like about these different tribes. Talk about some of the ingenuity that they have that like we really admire. Um, and then we'll just see how it goes from there. So where do we start? So let's start with the Eastern tribes because the Wichita and the Caddo, specifically the Caddo, are our most socially advanced tribe in Texas. And there's one big main reason for that. And that is the fact that they practice agriculture more intensely than any other tribe in Texas. And when a group of people practices agriculture, that allows them to stay in one place and form a culture. And because they're not constantly worrying about where am I getting my next meal? I need to follow this herd of deer. I need to go fishing 24 hours a day in order to feed my family. They're not as concerned with subsistence as they are if they are hunters and gatherers. Mm -hmm. um, so the Caddo, they had such an interesting social system because of their ability to farm. And the Wichita farmed as well. They just weren't as um, complex with their social structure. Um, but for the Caddo, they had different levels of leadership. So they had a social class, which is just like the whole tribe as a whole, but then they had an elite class as well. That was more like the ruling class over everybody else. 
Um, they lived in these villages made out of wickiups, and these wickiups are shaped like beehives houses so that if you looked at them and you've ever seen a beehive it's like kind of a conical shape it's a little rounded uh, like a rounded top and they lived in these houses permanently so they weren't picking them up and moving them around like a teepee um, but they were staying in one place in these villages um, what i find super interesting about this tribe is that they were matriarchal matriarchal which means that they tracked all of their lineage, so their family history, through the mother's side. And I find that interesting because we never see that in mm -hmm. Europe and we never really see that in any other place. Really yeah, we don't yeah. see it now because like in the United States and in a lot of different places, you take your father's name when you're born and then you pass on to your children their father's name. And so we track through the paternal side, but the cattle track through the mother's side. Mm -hmm. One thing I thought was cool about like their social ingenuity and their innovation and everything is like the way they built their houses. Like I read that like the entire community would come together to build a house, which I feel like wasn't really taught to me in history until like the Puritans, which is thousands of years later um, and hundreds of years later of like that sort of social community, like everybody's like working together. Um, so that was really cool. One thing that I thought was awesome is like a positive description of them where they were called the Romans of Texas and they were called the Romans of Texas. Like you said, the their social structure was so complex. Rome's social structure was super complex. So I like how that's a positive um description of it and coming off that the reason another reason that they're called the romans of texas is because they were like cultural innovators for the people in their area so like the romans in italy oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. were you know the height of culture in europe during their strongest time period just like the caddos in texas were the strongest cultural influencer of the entire area because they were initiating trade and they were growing crops and making things like pottery and once you can make things like pottery and you can grow things, you can then initiate trade with other groups to get different things that you can't create yourselves. And so that was like an introduction of a new idea, um, like thousands and thousands of years ago when the Cata started doing that with the people around them. Mm -hmm. So one thing that kind of made me a little uncomfortable and it goes back to our central questions was I read that the name of the Cato comes from what the French call them when the French like happened upon them while they were living their lives. Um, and that just like makes me sad. Like I wonder what they call themselves. Like I wonder what their, their own identity was. And then so somehow in history, we've taken the Eurocentric French name of them. But then on the flip side of that, which I guess still makes it French, um, Texas, no, it doesn't make it French because it's their language. So Texas, the name Texas comes from Tejas which is a Caddo word-ish kind of. There's probably some translation errors, but the word means friendship, which is pretty cool. So I like that there's still some Native American heritage even in the naming of Texas. Sort of. Yeah. Kind of. It's a, sure. little, it's a little messed up. It's a little up. different okay. with the J being a very yeah. Spanish spelling, yeah. but that's where the root comes from. Yeah. Um, I think that we should go ahead and move yeah, on to move our on. coastal tribes. So our coastal tribes live in the area 
where we live, if you go to our school, uh, which is just on the Gulf Coast. And the tribe that lived exactly where we lived are the Karankawa. And they have always been one of the tribes that I found most interesting because of the way that my teacher described them when I was in seventh grade. So the way that she described it was that when the Spanish came and they like came to the shore of Galveston Bay, they like got out on the, off their ships and they saw these men and women like walking around and they were like, oh my goodness, there's some big yeah, people. They, they were, were like, these are some scared. giant people because they had never seen people as striking as the Karankawa. And what I mean by striking is that they were all above six feet tall. Even the women were like 5'11". They were all really, really tall people. They were like magnificently fit. They were all like shredded because, <laughs> you know, they're doing this hard labor every day to get their food. And then their whole bodies were tattooed. So they had these like really intricate tattoo designs all over their bodies. And so just as a whole, when you see like, 25 six foot tall shredded tattooed men you're like wow yeah that's nothing i've seen before because the spanish weren't very familiar with tattoos at the time they were all like five four because they were like european and that's mm -hmm. how tall europeans were back in the day and it was just like a group of people that was like really unique visually yeah. which sounds bad <laughs> but like they were just the spanish were just shocked yeah. Like, and I just think that's hilarious, like, that they were just like, wow. Like, they were, like, taken aback. And if you read their notebooks, they, like, write in their notebooks being like, wow. Like, yeah. they really were. And I just think that that's really funny. I love the Karankawa. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. Because, like, I just read so much about them, and they just seem like, like, what we think of as, like, normal people. They seem and like really good family Really people. good family, like. In my book, it said that they loved their children. They kept dogs, which is cool. And my favorite part about what you just described is like your perspective was like the Europeans were terrified of them. But then I read, and this is more next week about the Europeans, but it just is so fitting of like why I love them so much. So the Europeans came, they like shipwrecked. It was really, really bad. They were like all about to die. So they, in contrast to the Karankawa, were like super skinny, like just sickly looking. I mean, they barely made it to shore. And I read that when the Karankawa found them, they sat next to them and they cried for an, like a half hour because they were so upset about how horrible the Europeans looked. They like, they were, they're like mourning. Yeah. Them. And I just, I don't feel like we get, that's such a, when we think about history, we think about emotions and we think about like real yeah. people having like real lives and stuff. And to see these people just wash up ashore about to die and they had like a, a compassionate right it must have been a really yeah. like traumatizing experience to see like these new people come to shore and like i'm sure that they had this very empathetic reaction like obviously they cried for half an hour but they probably really wanted to help them oh, yeah. be better for, for sure. sure for sure um love it but what i also found interesting was that their name karankawa um it means in their language, like lover of dogs. Love it. Um, because they did keep dogs and people found that really interesting. And then one of their favorite hobbies was wrestling. So they had sports and they were just hanging out, living mm -hmm. their lives. Um, but then like when it came to like what they eat, they were fishers because they lived on a coast. They didn't grow very many crops because our soil here is just not great for that. Yeah. Learned um, that the hard way. But, you know, 
they were very interesting. Yeah. Um, Let's go a little bit further south, the koala chickens, which I love saying. It's so yeah, much fun so to say. fun. But I really don't love their name because Qualutecan means people of Qualuteca. Yes. Um, or which is a state in Mexico. Yes. Again, um, named by the Europeans, so we don't know. We don't know what they actually identity. called themselves. Yeah. We don't know what they called themselves, which is really sad because, of course, they had a name for themselves, but it's been lost to history because of the Spanish. Um, one of my favorite things that I learned about them was that these people were so physically fit that they would run for days. And I'm not talking about like five hours, six hours, but they would run without sleeping for like 24 to 36 hours chasing down a herd of deer because that's how they got their food. So they would run for days to find food, which I just found yeah. amazing. Like, how could that even be real? They would <laughs> Like, just the thought of being able to, number one, keep up with a deer. Number two, be able to, like, outrun it so that the deer dies and right. you're still living. You run a deer to death Crazy. is what they did. Crazy. Crazy. I also read that they ate, like, basically everything. Oh, yeah. Like, if it was not going to kill them, they are going to eat, eat that. I think that's super, I don't know. Intense. I mean, it's, like, that's it's really definitely cool. human nature to eat anything if you feel like you're going to starve. That's true. So. That's true. I mean, good but on them still, because they were like eating anything. Yeah, there's there's some things that I'd be like, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, keep looking I'm, star, for I'm starving, else. but I don't know if that one's for me. Yeah. All right, we don't really have a ton left because I guess we know most more about the eastern tribes, but also I have some notes on the Apaches. You might just have some notes in your head because mm -hmm. you just know these things. Um, I thought it was really cool that the Apaches like came. Yeah, both of them. Okay. Um, came from tribes in Alaska and Canada, and they just like kept going down. They just warred with everyone as they were coming down, settled in Texas because they hunted buffalo. They had really well-trained dogs um, that they would use, like we now think of using horses. And so when the horses came with the Europeans, like game over, they um, had a really interesting idea about the afterlife where like, you didn't like die like your spirit didn't die it like kept going and you had to be very respectful and there's just so many like rules and everything and i just love the cultural um what's it called just the culture of these native americans that you don't always get to know i thought right. it was really cool that is really cool um my what i think i'm going to talk about the plains tribes now because the apache are both west Publin and plains depending on what group they're in but when you think of the Plains tribes, when people think of Native Americans, they usually think of the Plains tribes because they think of like people riding on horses and like using a bow and arrow. And that's what the Plains tribes did. But the most interesting group culturally for me was the Comanche out of the Plains tribes because they were these amazing warriors. But not only they're really known for being this like aggressive like violent group. But what people don't recognize is that yes, they did engage in war, which all of these tribes did. They also had a peace chief and they were like one of the only groups in Texas and in the plains that had a certain person that was dedicated to making peace with other people. And so even though they have this reputation of, you know, burying people in the ground up to their you know necks and leaving them there to die, because that is something that they did, they also sought peace with people that they lived close with. So the Kiowa 
was one of the groups that they lived very close next to and they had a peace agreement with them because if they didn't, they would be in constant conflict with one another. And so the Comanche took it upon themselves to say, hey, let's go and make peace with these people because, I mean, what else are you going to do if you live right next to somebody that you don't get along with? You have to make that agreement. And so I think that's interesting that we only really learn about their violence and we never learn about their you know, intent on making peace with other people, because that's still something that they did. They weren't just this group that went and killed people all the time. They were this group that sought peace with others when they thought that they could. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's super interesting. And then for the West Puebloan tribes, they're super cool because they built these like amazing structures out of Pueblo bricks, which are like mud and straw bricks that they dry in the sun. And they have these like really complex and complicated villages that they build um, and then live in. And then what I think is super cool is that they had this entire system of irrigation that was like more advanced than that of the Europeans yeah, that's what I was gonna at say. the time. Like, how do they even get water in the mountain basins area? Like that just blows my mind. Still. Oh yeah. They like diverted rivers into canals in order to farm. And that is just like a whole level of engineering that is like really complex and difficult for people to achieve without complex mathematical systems. And they didn't have that. Yeah. But they were still able to like understand how to divert water in order to grow crops. And so they were able to stay in one place, which is just amazing because I would not know how to irrigate an entire, you know, 15 acre field with a shovel. I wouldn't even know how to do it like now. Yeah, like, exactly. My so garden, I'm saying, my I'm garden about right like, now. literally died. This I have a like, water hose and I can't grow crops. Yeah, so. I'm like happy if I grow a cactus. Oh man, I hope you enjoyed like all of this. I hope you liked listening to the things that we think are really cool. I hope you enjoy studying them. It's gonna be a great week. Oh. All right. Um, we have a big week of learning this week. What are you most excited about? It doesn't have to be the Native Americans. I'm most excited about talking about the interaction between the Spanish and the Native Americans because all throughout my time in history classes, except in college, um, we only ever learned it from that Eurocentric point of view. We only like, this is what the Spanish did. This is how the Spanish felt. But the Native Americans had feelings and emotions towards these things happening to them too. And I want to talk about that perspective mm-hmm. and say, you know, how did the Karankawa feel like we were talking about right. when the Spanish showed up? Yeah. Or how did the Qualutecans feel when they were like, oh, I can start settling in missions now? Mm-hmm. Like it changed their way of life, but it also changed how they felt towards their own lives. And I'm excited to talk about that. What about you? I am excited to talk about the explorers too, which I feel like it's like, well, you just did a thing about Native Americans, but we also did kind of talk about it. But I just think like the main ones that we study are just so fascinating. I love their nicknames from the Native Americans. I love the interaction. Um, and I think this group of kids that we have, like we talked about last week, like they're going to be able to go with us. Of Let's talk about how the Native Americans feel. Let's talk about like, were these Europeans right in all of this? And let's talk about the people that we don't see. I think it's it's gonna be fun because I think the further we get into history, especially in the first semester, like it's just so enjoyable. And oh, I yeah. think the kids love it. But thank you so much for staying tuned. If you listened all the way, we know it was a long one and your attention spans are not as long as ours. Um, we love making this podcast. If you are listening to it on a non-school 
platform. We appreciate that. And we'll see you later this week.